0: by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. And just like that, we have a series. Welcome to Game Over Calgary. I'm Peter. He's Audie. We will get into the specifics in just a matter of moments. But the Battle of Alberta is now tied. Can the Flames bounce back to take the lead as this series heads to Edmonton for Game 3? Ask our friends over at Sports Interaction. Doing it right since 1997, Sports Interaction is Canada's Sportsbook. With the most competitive odds, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out before the game starts, live, in play, or how your favorite player will perform. You can probably just automatically assume McDavid's getting the over on points. Uh, see all that uh, sports betting has to offer. Join now at sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. 19 years and older. Please play responsibly. Peter Klein, Audie James with you today. Um, and Audie, uh, I was saying to, to Jesse before we, we got on here, we said this was going to be a long series. That doesn't mean Calgary just gets to win a bunch of close games. Um, if it's going to be a long series, Edmonton gets to co- get a couple as well. And they get one tonight with a five, three victory. I, I guess your overall feelings and thoughts, how are you after a game two loss?
1: Well, I'm, I'm as well as I can be. I think, um, <laughs> Especially given that it was a late one, too. It was an 8 30 local start. And uh, I apologize if you're watching on the East Coast. This is uh, all hours of the night. It's approaching 2 a.m. So uh, feel for you there if you stayed up for this one, especially if you stayed up for this one on the East Coast as a Flames fan, because they looked good through 20, but they failed to look good for the remaining 40 of this hockey game. It was uh, definitely one where Edmonton had full control and full throttle. We saw some flashes where Calgary could. Uh, potentially do something, but they didn't end up doing anything. And uh, yeah, it was just, it, w- it was just a game. It was, it was a game and I'm feeling uh, okay. I guess we could say there's still <laughs> lots of hockey left to play. We got a tied right. series, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun going forward.
0: Yeah, it is. And it did really seem like um, Calgary kind of started to falter a little bit. Like they, they looked how, or they, they played how I felt. As this game yeah. went along, where it's getting a little bit late. I mean, I know it's late in Eastern time. It's it's not early here, um, so it, it was. I was I was feeling the time a little bit, and it seemed like the flames were. But when they were kind of dominating, and this was a theory that uh, an old colleague of mine, Peter Labardius, would talk about a lot. Both, no matter what's happening in a game, both teams are going to get some runs where they're in control. Like that, that's just how this sport works. Unless there's just a, a sound and thorough ass kicking going on, which we, we've seen this Flames team do, but both teams at points are going to get theirs. And I thought the Flames, okay, they got theirs and they're, they, they got a couple of goals with it, and that's great, and everyone's happy. However, Connor McDavid was on the other end, making sure the Oilers never felt too far behind. And then when Edmonton started to take over, Because a lot of it was not five on five, it it didn't really feel like there was anyone from the Flames who was like, all right, boys, here we go. Like, I'm not saying someone needs to be Connor McDavid, but someone needs to at least try. And I didn't think there was enough of that in this game from a Calgary perspective.
1: No one really took over. And I think that's kind of what you were trying to get at here. And you put out a good tweet earlier in in the game where it, it spoke true to just about the entire hockey game. Uh, when McDavid has the puck, it just always seems like there's... I can't remember the exact verbiage you used, but all, it always seems like something's going to happen or, uh, or there should be danger on the loom. And I felt like that... I didn't feel like that last game as much. And mm-hmm. this game, it just felt like every time he had the puck, it was uh, something something good was going to happen. And uh, he had a lot of good chances. He found the back of the net. He set up a lot of good opportunities. Uh, He held Anderson's stick and they end up scoring on that play, which drove me bonkers, Um, which we can maybe talk about the officiating in this game, Mm -hmm. too, which was uh, I think they let this one get away. But yeah, he uh, he's something else, man. He's, you know, I found that this game specifically, how many times are you going to let the best player in the on the planet uh, be open on the doorstep? You know, you look at look at that goal. That he scored and then there were other opportunities throughout the rest of the game where he's just wide open. Nobody's covering him that that goal he scored. You could blame it on Zadorov for taking the body and putting himself out of position. But uh, yeah, he just seemed to always be open and there was no contest.
0: Yeah. Um, A a couple of things. One, there is no in position on McDavid. There are just just varying degrees of being out of position. That's true. Um, No, like I I said again to to, apparently Jesse and I had a great in-depth conversation before you got on. Um, (laughs) But I, I was saying to him anytime McDavid touches the puck and the Oilers don't score. Or get a penalty, or, or get a power play. It feels like a win. That's yeah. that is how dominant McDavid was in this hockey game, especially in the first half of it. And in the back half of it, Zach Hyman just decided he was the best player in the world because um, he had a phenomenal game and he was able to capitalize on his opportunities. But no, that this was for the at least for the first half of the game, this was the Connor McDavid show, and he really let the Oilers kind of get their footing as it, it looked again. Calgary goes up 2-0, and it looks like they can start to take this game over and start to pull away, and McDavid is there to to not allow that.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, I I almost feel like responsible for a little bit. I put out a tweet after Smith lets the second goal in, and I'm like, oh, is Skinner going to start game three? Like, ha-ha-ha, beating my chest, and that comes comes around to bite me in the ass, uh, apparently. But, uh, you know, on that note, too, I think Smith, as the game progressed, looked more and more calm and composed and and kind of like the Mike Smith that you know looked okay in the first round and and kind of finished the uh finished the year for Edmonton the way he did so kudos to him for sticking to it and finding a way and the Edmonton Oilers for playing a pretty damn good hockey game I mean yeah you got to give credit where credit's due I know we Mm -hmm. poo -poo on the flames for the way they played but you know you, you look at the other end and and there's an Edmonton team that put on a full performance and and they uh They reap the benefits there, but yeah, all, all in all, just a great game for the Oilers. I think too, just they, they played damn near perfect.
0: Yeah. I don't want to go too far without getting to the chat, but just a a couple more things to to kind of round this all out. Um, I thought we once again saw a flames team that didn't make life difficult enough on Mike Smith. And again, in game one, Mike Smith just made life difficult on Mike Smith. But I, I felt like early on the first shot of the game, Gaudreau gets that wrist shot and Smith, He did a thing that always drove me crazy when he was with the Flames, and he just fell over into it. It wasn't the full flop like we used to see, but as soon as that happened, I thought, oh, they got him. Like that, this is all that this is not a good Mike Smith. Vintage Mike Smith. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I didn't think there was enough done to take advantage of. How just like riding the edge of the lightning bolt, Mike Smith was in this. Um, but that that was just a, a thought there. Um. Anyway, let's get to the uh, the, the chat. I, I'm imagining maybe not quite as positive as what we've seen the last couple of games.
1: Yeah, from from what I'm seeing so far, at least. Uh, Mike saying worst officiated worst officiated. Excuse me, game of the postseason. Pretty weak calls all around tonight. Yeah, I mean. I, I'm, I'm, I've always been Team Stripes because uh, I know how hard of a job mm-hmm. that is. You know, I, I encourage people, if you think it's that easy, lace them up and go try it out for yourself. So usually I'm pro ref. I, I still am for the most part. Uh, but there were some calls tonight that maybe were questionable or some calls that weren't made that should have been made. Uh, yeah. I, I'm looking right away at that icing that was waved off that led to the, oh. I believe it was the go-ahead goal. Uh, for Edmonton, I think mm-hmm. it would have been the game winner. I think it was, was that Hyman who scored that one? Uh, Hyman would race? have had the winner, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was a bad play. I mean, the missed hold on McDavid behind the net, coming around the net, clearly blatantly holding on to, uh, Rasmus Anderson's stick there. It's, it's tough. And I know it's tough because, you know, the play happens so fast and you're not going to catch everything. And, and, you know, I have all the respect in the world for officials, but I would agree that it was, um, it wasn't the worst officiated game, I don't think, but it definitely wasn't the best. What do you yeah. think?
0: No, I agree. And the, it it did seem like they knew that this game had the potential to get out of hand. Like yeah. with the way game one ended, it kind of felt like they, they came in saying, we're not going to let this one get out of hand. We're going to keep them all in line. And in doing so, I thought it completely killed any flow that this game had for a long time. Um, and yeah, like some of them, the, the the McDavid one on on Anderson that one doesn't bother me as much because just Rasmus Anderson's never getting that call on Connor McDavid like that no just, that that's no. not one that is going to go. it would be lovely if they did but they're not going to but there were some other ones where it was like really this is yeah. this is what we were doing admittedly on both sides um, but yeah I, I thought I, I thought this was a pr- pretty poorly officiated game and I thought they 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 were so focused on getting in the way of the rough stuff that they got in the way of the hockey game.
1: Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree there. This one, uh, maybe Brady can lace him up for Game Three. <laughs> Wouldn't be opposed to that. He's he's having the time of his life. I think uh, <laughs> the story off the ice of Brady Kachuk has been one to uh, one to follow for sure. He's yeah. he's having the time of his life. Him and Big Walt. Uh, you can't give up those breakaways. You would want to stop from Markstrom on that, but you get, but you can't give quality players free shots. Mm-hmm. On, uh, on your goaltender, which I would I would tend to agree with the uh, yeah the last couple of goals there were definitely uh, you know some blunders there that that led to some open looks and, and open chances the other way so
0: yeah uh, that was frustrating. Well and this is a trend right like we saw Dallas get behind the defense a couple times in the last series and now it's happening again in this series and it, it seems just anecdotally it seems like it's good Branson 100 of the time. Um, yeah. Like that, it, it seems like whenever there is someone in the chase position, it is him. And that that that's a problem. I, I didn't like a lot from the flames defensively in this. I game. I didn't like any of it. I don't think no. um, aside I from think- the stone goal. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The, the man who can do no wrong. Michael right. Um, I Like Markstrom, a couple of those, it would have been great to get a save on, but I'm not putting this one on him necessarily. I thought he was substantially better than he was in game one. I, I thought there were a few saves where he was able to like at least look at least similar to the, the goalie who got a Vesna nomination during the regular season. It would have been great to get a breakaway stop on Hyman and, and Leon Dreisettle, but those are two top six players in the NHL um like not you know what i mean like they are top yes you know they're top of the league right yeah exactly yeah league players yeah they, they are guys who would be on first or second lines anywhere in the national hockey League. so for for those guys to score on those it's fine it's it's the defense that that led them to that also this is something that bugged me a little bit i understand the mantra in hockey uh is now and forever has been oh just put the puck on net and something good can happen you know what else can happen it can hit a freaking shin pad and said zach hyman going that way and that happened too much with the flames tonight um it's something we talk about in basketball a lot shot selection was an issue there was one the the puck was kind of slowly trickling back to the blue line and shillington buses ass to get there great blindly Turns around and just wastes one right into the shin pads. I think again it was Hyman um, who was there, and that created an odd uh, a rush opportunity for Hyman that I don't think it led to a goal, but it led to a <gasps> chance. Yeah, and so there was that Zadorov. Um, had a defender right in front of him, and just yeah, whatever, sure, fine. Like the it was an issue in the the first series because Ottinger was stopping everything, and now Edmonton's getting in the way of everything. You can't just waste them into the shin pads, especially when you have a forward group that I think is playing pretty well. So I, I I was very frustrated with the Flames' blue line both offensively and defensively tonight.
1: Everything seems so forced, like and 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 not just the shots. And you talk about shot selection. That was one of the things I wanted to hit on was the fact that. You know, the opportunities were there, but they're throwing them, you know, into a lane that has a body in front or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the guy's two feet in front of you, he's more than likely going to gonna uh gonna stop that one. But another thing too, I think a lot of passes in the offensive zone, especially on the power play, we're just forced trying to go cross ice and, you know, you, it hits two or three sticks bounces out of the zone. I, I'm not trying to say that Goodrill played a bad game, but I think he needs to trust his shot more on the power play because mm-hmm. it seems like he just. Is always looking for that pass, and Edmonton is reading it perfectly every single time. They yeah. uh, they they know where to go, they know where to put a stick, they know where to put a leg, put a body, and uh, and they break that pass up. Same with that uh, that little play they set up where uh, they got this time. It was Foley down low. They got the guy on the wing who puts it down for Toffoli, and then it's either Goudreau or Lindholm or whoever in front of the net. They try to go tic-tac-toe. And I see them trying to do that again and again and again this playoffs, and it hasn't really worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it might be time to revisit that. And uh, one other thing, how badly does uh, does Daryl and, uh, and the rest of the Flames miss uh, Tanev right now? Oh, man. How much is this being like, you know, look, like he's sitting up there like probably chomping at the bit because he knows that, uh, that, that he can make these stops. But my goodness, it's starting to become more and more evident that, uh, that he's, more, uh, he, he's crucial on the blue line.
0: Yeah, it's as great as the Stone story has been. When McDavid's out there and Michael Stone is also out there, it concerns me greatly. Um, and the same thing for Zidorov and Gabrans and like there's just, there's a lot of minutes being chewed up on this blue line by guys who I'm not comfortable defending Connor McDavid. And that's kind of something they're going to have to do. And now Edmonton gets last change so they can kind of mix and match. Now, they they kind of mixed and matched in this one where they just had McDavid playing the entire game. It felt like, so yeah, he gets every matchup because he's not coming off of the ice. At least that's what it felt like. But no, I am in 100% agreement with you. This was the one where I thought they, they really missed Tanev. Um, Just hypothetically speaking, I don't, I don't know if we see Tanev in this series. We're we're not going to get an update on it. He's taking part in morning skates at least. And you feel like if it wasn't like, if, if he wasn't doing well, that would be, almost malpractice to just have him going out there. So yep. you feel like maybe he's close, but let's just in the world of hypotheticals, if he is back in for game three, I don't know if you take stone out. Um, Richie scored tonight. Do you take him out and go back to the eleven seven? seven? Because if you don't, I don't hate the idea of putting Shillington up in the press box for at least a game. I don't think he's played very well.
1: I would 150% agree with you. I, I don't think he's, played well really at all uh this playoff especially this series uh I say you probably that that's probably the move you make uh Brett Ritchie has two goals in two games this series and I don't know if you you just keep riding the hot hand same thing with michael stone who's who i think had some flashes tonight of, of not looking so hot but for the mm. better part of the game was you know in on everything was busting his ass to get back and uh I think all in all played decently tonight but yeah, that's that's the thing too. Is is what do you what move do you make now? And and I think the the logical one, like you said, is is to uh, to have Shillington have some time time off, maybe a game or two, depending on how Game Three goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you go from there. You reevaluate because I mean, I just I don't think he's doing. Uh, he's not looking like the Shillington that that was dominant and had his breakout year uh, this year for the Flames. That's for sure. So. Yeah, I would. I would tend to agree with you for a, for a very long
0: winded uh, response. No, no, that's good because um, I I think you nailed it. Like it just, you're right. He just hasn't looked. It, like himself in this at all. Um, I, I want to kind of double back to the, the Gaudreau conversation a little bit. And this was a tough one for him to get going in because as we talked about, there was a lot of special teams. And when the flames are killing penalties, Johnny Gaudreau is sitting on the sidelines and there was a lot of penalties, especially in that second period as Edmonton was starting to come back. So I'm not putting all of this on him, but it's, it is a tricky one to kind of, um, to to kind of uh, assess how that top line played. I noticed him a lot. This was another one where I thought Matthew Kachuk kind of faded into the background a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And that kind of comes back to uh, one of the comments here. Hmm. Uh, Where the heck is it here now? Uh, Basically, if I can find it. uh, Yeah, first two lines getting getting jabbed for minutes here. But that kind of, you know, it makes sense if you circle back to the fact that they did spend a lot of time uh, killing penalties and, and in turn playing in their own zone which we know that that good line doesn't play a lot in their own end. They, they mm. tend to play uh, more offense than they do defense partner that with the fact he's not a penalty killer. He's not going to be on the ice nearly as much as, uh, as, as that special teams unit will. And yeah, to your point about Kachuk, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking about that too. I was like, my goodness, this guy's had a couple good games and all of a sudden, you know, we're back to uh, face on the back of the milk carton kind of thing. Like where, where is this guy? Uh, this is not really what we expected or, or thought that uh, Matthew Kachuk would bring in a playoff series. I just hope that in game three, he, he proves us wrong and makes us eat crow and and, uh, and comes out and, and, and does what he does, plays mm-hmm. that Matthew Kachuk gritty gritty game. Um, but yeah, all in all, I don't think he, he wasn't very noticeable, which uh, which is not very characteristic of Matthew Kachuk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I wonder if the the referees kind of, for lack of a better term, neutering this game kind of took Matthew Kachuk out of it a little bit because they they were making it very clear that like someone was getting an advantage off of those scrums. And I wonder if Matthew Kachuk was like, all right, it's just, it's not my night to be doing this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, that's, and and that's it too. You don't want to put your team at a disadvantage even more than, Mm -hmm. uh, then they already are killing as many penalties as, as they had to in this, uh, in this game. So I don't know. Yeah, that could definitely have, have played a factor. And like I said, I just hope it's a, it's a different Matthew Kachuk for game three.
0: Um, as you're looking at the, looking at the chat, I, I guess anything else standing out to you from the chat before we, we move on to another subject here.
1: Um, yeah, just a couple here. Yeah. Sorry. It was Bradford that, that mentioned uh, the, the point about the, uh, the lines, they're uh, the top line, not getting as many minutes there. And uh, Susie backing up on that one saying, yeah, 22 PIMS will cut into some guy's time on ice. Goudreau doesn't play on the PK. Uh, refs sucked on the, in this game on both sides. We already talked about that. Maybe it wasn't uh, as bad. Uh, what farm reference does Sutter make tomorrow? Oh, that's a good prop bet.
0: That is. Bad. What did he that's say today?
1: Did he, did he have one today?
0: Uh, or, did, I or was it, recall. I think that,
1: I think today's was just the, uh, any changes to the lineup. Not that I know of, I think yeah. it was today's, uh, was today's response. Uh, which he's is, good. He's, oh, he's very so good. good. He's yeah. so good with his words. It's, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what, uh, reference he makes tomorrow. Yeah, we'll we'll find mean, out. It, he's it, such it, a wild card. You
0: oh don't yeah. Know what you're going to get with Daryl. He could pull off some weird one and look like I, I grew up in Saskatchewan. I, I speak farmer. So like th- there are very few things that, that kind of go over my head in that way. But he pulls some stuff where it's like, wow, I did not see that one coming. <laughs> um, I will say the flames did not make hay while the sh- sun was shining today. When they were... Uh, having the advantage that that wasn't necessarily a, a strength of theirs. Um, but uh, aside from other farming ones, I'm, g- I'm going to have to rack my brain on that one a little bit. Um, it, it wasn't all bad from a Flames perspective. Um, I, I know, like, obviously, they lost to the Oilers. That's never a pleasant experience. But a- anything positively stand out for you in this game?
1: Well, I think we touched on it a little bit before. And, and, you know, Jacob Markstrom, I think, for the better part of this game, Aside from that last little bit there, which you can't really even peg all on him, I think he looked great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was tested and he, he, you know, kind of stood on his head on in some uh, some instances. But I think after a game where he allowed as many goals as he did and didn't look as good as he, you know, the Vesna contender that, uh, or excuse me, Vesna finalist that uh, that he is this year, has been this year. I think he rebounded well. I think he played a heck of a hockey game. Um And that's something that I don't want to get lost in this. I I want, you know, some, something positive to look forward to. And hopefully that's kind of Jacob Markstrom shaking off the rust of whatever was, you know, ailing him, or maybe it was a between the years kind of thing Mm -hmm. for game one. And, uh, I just hope that he carries it into game three and the rest of the series, because it's, it's a lot of fun to, uh, you know, it's it's easier as a team when when you know your crease everything's good in the crease. You just got to work your way out and work the kinks out from there. I think that's a, that's a good place to start. So I uh, I hope he continues along. What did you
0: what did you think of Markstrom? I liked him. Like I, I said, I, I thought that there were a few times where he kept this one from getting out of hand sooner. I guess not that it eventually does get out of hand. Like five three is. Certainly, I mean, the Flames scored two in a minute in game one. They they could do it again. Um, So it's not like this game was over quick. But I I thought that there were times where there were breakdowns and Markstrom was there to to help bail the team out. In terms of guys who I thought stood out positively uh, in front of them, this was another one. I thought Blake Coleman was excellent in this game. Um, Craig Simpson pointed it out that um, he he had a special kind of nasty going for him in this game. And I, I thought it, it, it felt like a game where he was destined to, um, to score that obviously it doesn't end up happening, but I thought he was good. I, I feel like, if there was something that was bugging Tofoli, it's gone now because I think Tofoli's had a couple pretty good games in a row now. And and once again, I will forever bring up that Dylan Dubé feels like when he scores one, he's going to score eight because he is right there a bunch right now.
1: Yeah, and it's you know shame there. It was I can't remember who shot it from just inside the blue hmm, line. Tofoli, was it Tofoli that went just wide? Yeah, the tip that just I think it hit higher up on his stick than he was anticipating. Yeah, because he had a tapping. I mean that yes. goal was that was going in. And, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate because that would have, you know, obviously changed the dynamic of the game a little bit, but that's, uh, that's the, that's the beautiful game there. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's close and and he's playing, uh, he's playing a heck of a series. Blake Coleman. though, what a man on a mission. He is, oh, eh? Yeah. Oh my God. He's in on everything. He's chirping after the whistle. He's drawn penalties and, uh, he's just been a lot of fun to watch. And like I, we talked about this last episode too, was, you know, this is what Calgary brought this guy in for. They they yeah. knew like this is Tampa knew uh, what they were getting when when they brought him in, and they won a couple cups with him. Uh, his arguably his Coleman Goudreau, or Goudreau and and uh, oh geez Gord line there uh, was fantastic in the playoffs, and and, and I think he was uh, he was the ringleader there, and yeah. he hasn't missed a beat. He looks like uh, he looks like he he did for those two cup runs with Tampa. So uh, yeah, he's, he's been, uh, he's been a lot of fun to watch. And I just hope that the rest of the team can rally around that because it's, uh, if they can all play that at that level, uh, even in a game where, you know, maybe you don't deserve it like tonight,
0: then, uh, then watch out. He seems like someone like I haven't played um, overly competitive sports in a very long time. And, uh, admittedly just try to keep the competitive part out of it because I get too competitive. <laughs> case in point. He seems like someone I would have to punch in the head at some point if I was playing against him because he's just he's always around it. he's playing really well. he's chirping you, he's hitting you, he's doing his little yeah things that would just annoy the hell out of me i would just i would have to punch him in the face at some point it would be a penalty it would be remarkably selfish i would feel better about it after but um yeah he he just has that little hey can you screw off for like three minutes please
1: he's that one guy in beer league and speaking from experience this is i hope this guy's not watching i doubt it but he's that one guy in beer league who played like four or five years div two in sweden and, uh, he's just skating laps around all the, yeah, <laughs> all the overweight 40 year olds <laughs> on the ice. Right. Speaking from experience, I've had this guy on the ice before and yes, he's, he had a very punchable face, but he was very good at hockey and he got under our skin. So, uh, it's, that's, that's how I look at, uh, kind of how Blake Coleman's been playing so far in this playoffs.
0: Not going to get too far into it because this is like an actual serious post game show thingy, but, yes. um, my, my hometown is like kind of the biggest of the small towns and they have like their, their rec league. It's not just like this team versus this team. It's this town versus this town. And the, the senior men's team is run by the guy who owns the car dealership in town. And he actually did like the stereotypical small town car dealer guy where he hired a dude out of Sweden who was like, kind of thinking about maybe coming back to Canada. It's like, oh, come be a mechanic. And hey, would you mind playing on our senior men's team? Ten points in two games. It was amazing. That's some um, Danbury
1: trashers uh, <laughs> level of, of, uh, of petty rate right there, bringing yeah. guys in.
0: Oh, it it is like quintessential small town hockey. Um, So just a a quick little anecdote in there. Uh, Anything else? I always feel bad I'm putting you on the spot. Um, No, don't be. I've got a couple of good ones. The the chat's very reliable. So um, it's more faith in them than me being like, hey, Audie, go. (laughs) Uh, But um, anything from the chat? A good
1: one here from Mike McDavid is on a mission. Yeah, he definitely (laughs) is kidding. Um, That's that's a really good way of putting it. He's he's been a man on a mission for the past, you know, last series and the first two games of this one. Um, This one is interesting because I actually kind of wanted to talk about it and, and get your take on it. Sutter not taking a timeout before the six on four got underway seems like a mistake. They needed a minute to calm down and rein it in. What do you think? Because I when when that happened there, I, my, I had my brother over. He was watching the game with me, and we both kind of looked at each other. We're like, "He's got to take a timeout here, right?" And at, for a second there, we thought he was going to, but nothing. um, yeah. Not saying timeouts are the end all, be all, but that just seemed like the perfect opportunity for uh, for a little you know mental reset. You're about to go six on four. You're down by two. You got a timeout to use. Why don't you use it? What do you, What did you think?
0: I, I agree completely. I, I actually started writing Calgary timeout down in my notes, and then it didn't happen. I was like, oh, well, let's just write over this darker empty net. Because yes. um, I, I, was, I, was, I was stunned that they, they didn't necessarily do that. And I, I thought there was a couple of things. Far be it from me to, to criticize Daryl Sutter. Um, one of the guys, if they were going to build a statue of a coach in this city, it would be of him. I get the fourth line was, like, great, considering they're a fourth line in this game. Two shifts in the last four minutes when you are down by two goals. And look, they were two good shifts, but there is a ceiling to what those guys can do. And it I I I, I hated that. I you have I not like talent, that one bit. You have enough talent on the top nine that you just kind of have to roll through it. And then if they're a little bit tired, take the time out, like you mentioned. I I thought at some point you staple those guys to the, the, the bench and say, thank you for your services in this game, but it's time for our big boys to take this one home.
1: Yeah, I think I think they started, uh, they got that start there mm-hmm. at the six on four. And I kind of looked at my brother, we looked at each other we're like, really? Like with four minutes and 23 seconds or whatever it was left in this game, you're down by two and you're going to roll out this line to start? Like, And don't get me wrong, like you said, they actually, you know, had a pretty productive shift. It didn't lead to anything, but they were able to, you know, get some offensive zone time and, and a little bit of pressure and, and set something up. But yeah, like you said, they're not going to, they're not out there. Like their ceiling is, is much lower than, uh, (laughs) pretty obviously much lower than, uh, than the rest of, uh, the forward groupings there. And yeah, that was a bit of a head scratcher too. The timeout, the lack of the timeout threw me off. And then the fact, uh, their deployment, uh really threw me off as well so i don't really know what the mindset was there i know better than to question daryl right that one was a bit of a head scratcher
0: yeah daryl's forgot more about hockey today than i'll never know in my life but right. that one yeah I, I didn't like that one at all like you said like it, it was a good fourth line shift but they didn't need that at that point that it, no. if no they did that in the second period that's a hell of a shift but to do that with four minutes left basically what you have done is killed off in uh, a minute of that clock. It's a good shift to. That's couldn't.
1: a good shift to take when you have the lead. Yes, that's, oh.
0: that's it. Yeah, if if you're up by two late and you have that shift, oh my word, what a shift that is. We're right. we're, we're writing poetry about it to this day. Uh, but yeah, no, that one, I I didn't I didn't like that one. So yeah, there, there's a couple of things on the, the the Daryl docket that I wasn't a huge fan of in this one.
1: No, I uh, I agree that that pretty much wraps it up uh, for
0: chat right now. Okay. So.
1: Uh, we can let that catch up and, and move on, I
0: suppose. Uh, assuming tanov isn't Wolverine and isn't healed <laughs> from whatever is hailing him going into the, the next one, which, look, I'm not ruling out that he might actually be Wolverine. I've never seen them both in the same place at the same time. But um, is there any other kind of lineup adjustment or anything that you would make? Like We talked about the two guys who would be closest on the chopping block scored tonight, so it's tough to, to send them back up to the, the press box. But Um, assuming no TANF, is there something that you would change going into game three? I
1: don't think so. Um, I I just, I don't know what, like what, who comes out and who goes in. I know we talked about it before. I believe it was before game seven in the Mm -hmm. Dallas series where we talked about, you know, do they need a bit of a shakeup here or, or what's the deal? And personally, I don't think that there's uh, that it's warranted like i we've talked about it a bit already there's still lots of hockey left to play it is a best of 5 now which is unfortunate but mm-hmm. um you know there's still potentially 5 games in this series i don't think it's time to hit the panic button um but yeah it's i, I don't think so I, I don't if tanev's okay then i think maybe you know the option we talked about with Shillington coming out and, and tanev going in would probably be the only move that i would make um, but beyond that, I don't think that there's anything drastic. And it's funny because I've seen some people on Twitter say, does Vladar start game three to which I think is is ludicrous um, just because of the fact that I don't think you, you, you pin this loss on him. We talked about no. that already, and I don't think he looked particularly bad. Uh, so that would be a backwards move. Um, yeah. So I know a lot of people on Flames Twitter are talking about it at least so um figured I would bring that up and, and squish that bug right away. But no, I, I don't think that there's much I would uh, I would change. What are you uh what are you thinking?
0: No, I, I'm I'm the same. Like I, I think when I look at this, like the Flames did not play well. So I would like for there to be like something that you alter. But unless Tanov is coming back, I don't like we, we already talked about this. I, I don't know if I'm trusting Rosichka at this point. No, uh, I, I like him as a player. I think long term he has a fit on this Flames team. It's just not now. And I, I don't know like throwing Val Sutter has some kind of hate on for, for Valimaki and now Valimaki hasn't won him over yet either. But um, like I, I, I would kind of like Shillington to have a night off, but there isn't, if no Tanev there, there isn't an, an obvious option to throw in there. And then with the, the lines, I don't know if you juggle them around at this point. Uh, another one who like, it's it's not the end of the world. I would love it if Yarncroft would show up in these playoffs. Like we we haven't seen it really at all yet. And he uh, he has turned into one of those guys where he'll touch the puck in the second period. And it's oh, right, We got that dude. I forgot about that. He I think he needs to have a bit more of an impact coming up here in game three. So I think the pieces are right and they're in the right spot. They just have to do what they're supposed to do now. Yeah, he's
1: quite literally the forgotten cousin uh, in terms of being related to Lindholm there. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, and you know what? He had a great chance there. I think it was in the third period. He was coming up the half wall with the puck on his backhand and he just tried to throw, he just threw it on net. And I think it stunned Smith because he just had to make a reflex save and he ends up making the save, but it kind of took me by surprise. I was like, damn, was that really Yarncroke's best chance? Probably this entire playoffs. Probably was a fluke backhand off the half wall that Mike Smith wasn't expecting, but he still made the save on. And then I'm like, yeah, that, that probably was his best chance. Um, yeah, d- zero, pretty much zero offense to report of. I think he had one, maybe two assists since coming over from Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, but not a whole heck of a lot coming from him. And it's disappointing because I was really high up on bringing him here uh, before the trade deadline. I talked about it on other shows about, potential trade deadline targets. And Cal Yarncroke was one of those people. So it was, uh, it's, it's frustrating and I'm sure it's frustrating for him. And, and I don't want to be overly critical because, you know, the rest of the team for the most part is playing pretty well. Um, But yeah, it would be really, really opportune for him to, uh, to come out here in game three and, uh, and at least get one, just, just get one, get the monkey off your back and, uh, and build on that from there because he's, clearly snake bitten. He's had a few opportunities, but uh, really hasn't mustered up to anything.
0: Uh, last one uh, before we get the, the chat, one last chance to, to chime in here on what has now turned into Saturday morning here <laughs> in the, the, the mountain time zone. Um, we, we both picked the, the Calgary flames to, to win this series. I think we both picked them in six. At least that's what my brain is telling me. Um, yes. ha- has anything in the first two games changed your opinion on that matter?
1: No, I don't think so. I think if anything, this game was, uh, you know, Matthew Kachuk talked about how last game was their worst game of the playoffs. This one might be up there as well. Mm-hmm. was not a fantastic game. Um, if anything, I hope that they use this loss as motivation, as a, as a turning point uh, to kind of regain control of this series. Getting a split after, uh, from an Oilers standpoint, getting a split on the road after losing game one is exactly what the doctor ordered. Uh, and now they go home. On a you know with with a win in their pocket here, and they're going to play two at Rogers. So, I think you got to do whatever you can to use this one as as motivation and turn it into something good for Game Three. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's. I, I just hope that uh, I just hope. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think my game my uh, excuse me as I s- stumble over my words. My Flames and six stance has not changed. Yeah, um, I still think that there's a good chance that this team can uh, can close it out uh, in six games. So we'll, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I just hope that they use tonight as an example of how not to play and, uh, and turn things around going forward
0: here in this series. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Um, but I, I do think that this needs to be a bit of a wake up call that Mike Smith isn't going to just give you four games. Like you're, you're probably going to have to take it at some point here. Yeah. And so, uh, we're going to have to to see, I think a much better effort from the flames coming up in game three. Luckily it won't be eight, 30 in the gosh darn evening. Um, yeah. La- last call for anything from the, uh, the the chat there. Anything standing out?
1: Yeah. Good point here from Nate Thomas says uh, Markstrom with a 3.33 goal saved above expected for our advanced stat gurus out mm-hmm. there, um, which is good. Keep playing him. Flames didn't play well in front of him.
0: Yeah. Um, sorry, I, I forgot to, to answer back to your point about uh, some people on Flames who are calling for Vladar to start. Oh, yes. Uh, if, if Markstrom has four working limbs, Vladar has made his last start this season. That's, right. It, it, it does, Markstrom could give up 15 on Sunday. He's starting again on Tuesday. Like yeah. the, the, the guy is nominated for the Vesna. So un, unless some body part is hanging off of him in a way that it is not supposed to, he is playing the rest of the way probably almost every he gave up six the other night and played the whole game so he is probably playing every minute the rest of this postseason is my assumption and will be until something drastic happens
1: no i and yeah i I think everybody for the most part kind of shares that uh shares that point i for sure do i i don't see why Mm -hmm. uh why they do it. Uh, J-Rock saying going on the road will help clear their mind a bit. Different routine might help. This is their third straight home game. And that's a, that's actually a pretty good point. I feel like long stretches at home haven't been uh, the best for the Flames, especially at the in the second half of the season. Going on the road, and they even talked about it. You know, you hit a bit of a skid uh, mm. going on the road, being with the boys, kind of getting away from the noise of playing at home. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's you know, can be refreshing, I would imagine to, to just go out on a road trip with the boys. Um, that's a good point. I think that's uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's a, that could very well be a factor. Um, and yeah, like I said, it, it kind of happened already once this year, so it's uh, it wouldn't be out of the cards for sure.
0: Yeah, it, it is too bad because I like I tweeted out today, like I've, I've lived here for, this is a weird way of putting it, but I've lived here 13 of the last 15 years. Uh, that brief little, little uh, two-year stint where I went to Toronto, but um, this is the most behind this team I have ever seen this city. And that's not yeah. saying that Flames fans have been bad up to this point, but there are jerseys everywhere. Flames, Flags everywhere you have like buildings every like it is it is a different vibe in this city right now and that's on a day where it snowed in may so like this city was buzzing for this game today it's it's unfortunate that um it was not necessarily reciprocated in the way that that it could have been with a a 5-3 loss but series is tied And we knew this series was going to be a good one. We knew it was probably going to be a long one. So we knew we'd probably have to have nights like these. Um, So the next one is coming at you guys on Sunday. It is a six o'clock mountain start for the hockey game. We will be on as soon as that game is done. Um, Audie in between now and then where can people find you?
1: Yeah. Find me on Twitter at Audie James and on Instagram at Audie James underscore. And where can they find you? Good, sir.
0: Uh, I am at Primetime Klein on Twitter and Instagram, also Twitch.tv/slash/PrimetimePK. Do some stuff with some all-time flames franchises on there, uh, so that's going to be a, a pretty fun way to get ready for what is going to be. A remarkably stressful day on Sunday. Uh, So once again, thank you to everyone who has been tuning in. Uh, Thank you to those of you who are watching us in the future um, as we continue on this wonderful Flames journey here on Game Over Calgary.